0: Hello, hello, lovely people. Welcome in to That Sounds Game. My name is Jer, and I will be your podcast host for a short time. I hope that your week has been going well. I hope that you are doing good. I uh, have been so busy this week with so many things. I got sick earlier last week, so thankfully I record some of these ahead of time, and I can kind of, like, get stuff uploaded a little bit earlier because I don't know what I got. I think it may have been a variant of COVID, I tested negative, however, I've had like this kind of diminished sense of taste, like everything tastes almost like that numbing agent that they use at the dentist, which is odd, but again I tested negative, but I had like so many other symptoms of it, so I think it finally got me, after almost, what, three years it's been, that this thing's been out, however, my partner did not get sick at all, so basically I want to strangle him, because I was laying in bed, dying four days, couldn't do anything. I was so tired and hot and cold. And he's just walking around all normal, going to the grocery store, buying stuff for me and things. And I'm like, I don't want him to be sick. Like I'm I'm not I'm not wishing ill upon my partner because I love him. However, I wish that he had suffered with me. Because that was probably one of the worst things I've ever felt in my life. Like I thought the COVID booster was bad, y'all. This was worse than that. Like, the COVID booster knocked me on my butt. I was so tired for about, like, 36 hours. I sweat through multiple pairs of clothes because I was so hot. But then at the same time, I was clammy. And I think a lot of you have felt that if you've gotten your your first booster. And it was, it was terrible. It was miserable. But I could eat, and I could generally walk around pretty fine. Like, I wasn't lightheaded or anything. And for me... If I'm sick and I can't eat, I become a wretched, awful monster. Like, I become a being of so much hatred and so much rage that I just regress into this, like, primordial being. And I was so unpleasant. I know I was. Plus, I turn into, like, a baby when I'm sick. I'm so... incapable of doing anything and incompetent and I require everything to be done for me like I need to be weighted on hand and foot when I'm sick because I turn into such a baby and I think it's because I'm such a control freak in normal every day-to-day life that when I'm sick I'm so unguarded and then on top of it I couldn't eat so I was just like an absolute menace for four days and It was, again, worse than the COVID booster. And on one hand, I was like, I'm so glad that Jake is okay enough that he can take care of me because if he was dying in bed too, I don't know what we would do because we would not eat for four days because I legitimately couldn't move. But I'm like, I just wish that you could experience just a taste of this because this was awful. (laughs) I just want you to suffer with me (laughs) in this. Um, But that was terrible. Anyway, (laughs) that's how my week's been. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, chat this week about the topic, which is the most recent Last of Us episode. And I'm sure that you've probably heard a lot of this online. I'm sure that you've probably seen a ton of this because it is such a big deal right now. So, specifically, I want to talk about episode three of The Last of Us. And for anybody who's worried about spoilers, Totally understand, totally get it if this is not an episode for you because you might not want to hear anything about it. It's been out for about a week now. The storyline's pretty much been everywhere. I'm not going to be talking about the show or reviewing it anyway, but I do want to say The Last of Us is probably the best video game adaptation into a series or a piece of media that I think's probably ever happened in the history of the universe. I, I can't think of anything that could top what this has done just completely unrelated. It's so great. And I also want to say Pedro Pascal is daddy. And if you're listening to this, sir, uh you are my complete hall pass. I am willing to swing you in as a third. Uh I'm willing to clean I don't clean our apartment, but I'll clean your house. I will I will dust. I will I will mop if you want me to mop. Pedro Pascal, this is a formal invitation. To uh, be a part of your life if you want me to be. I can be whatever you want. And I'm genderless, so if you need me to be something, I can be that. daddy i I'm here for you. Anyway, that's my solicitation um, about the show, to Pedro Pascal, all of that. It's fantastic. Watch it if you like zombie-esque franchises. Watch it if you like good media. You don't even really have to like zombie-type stuff to enjoy this show. It's that good. It, it's really incredible. You don't need to know the games. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I want to talk about the context of this episode. And the overall content of it was a gay love story. And I'm getting chills and I'm getting emotional just even talking about this right now. Because in my lifetime, I never thought I would see a piece of media that reflected a beautiful queer love story in a way that was handled with so much care and such a delicate hand, especially in a show that is talking about the end of the world. And I, I want to highlight that there are a lot of shows that are coming out that have queer representation. There have been in the last 10 years, and there's been a lot of really great media out there, right, that has highlighted queer people in a really positive way. But the reality is, is that the barrier gaze trope is still very much alive and well and has been in Hollywood for a very long time. Now, if you don't know what the barrier gaze trope is, this is something that's existed for decades and decades and decades, which the queer person in the media dies in a very tragic way typically because of their sexuality, or they are unhappy because of their sexuality. They have no way of be- of achieving happiness, becoming happy, finding someone that they love, and if they do, they are tragically separated from that person. And this is a very, very common trope that is still used. It's quite disgusting. Uh, I, I recently played on my stream, I played... um. Oh my god! Why can't I not remember the name? Out of nowhere, Uh, life is strange. Life is strange, which has a character who is uh, is queer coded, and then there's a canonically queer character in there. And in the care in the show er, in the game, the character is really manipulative, and she's really unpleasant, and ends up dying at the end of it. And it's not so much about her sexuality of why she dies. Well. Lies. Lies and slander. It is. A lot of it has to do with her sexuality. And it, it focuses on her storyline and, and her being a queer person and having to be unhappy. And that's how she goes out. And it, 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 this is a more recent game that this happened. And there's media that I've seen where, you know, the the only queer person in the show is a very specific archetype. You know, even in in shows like Will and Grace... The queer characters aren't in super committed relationships. I think in the most recent season, I think I think they actually did give a, a love interest to one of the characters, but it, it's not a super common thing that you see happy queer people on TV. And the list goes on; I could I could list them off for hours on end. But The Last of Us took a queer character, someone who. Ha- was was suggested to be queer in the games. And what they did is they built a beautiful love story around him and his partner, Frank. And so in the show, it's the end of the world. It's 2003. And this character is living on his own, doomsday prepping in the apocalypse. A couple years later, he meets this guy. And it the entire episode highlights their life together. It shows them getting older, going through couple fights, going through growth points. And by the end of it, we have seen the fruits of their labor, of how they've grown old together, how they've made adjustments in their life, how they have become different people because of each other. And it's to accomplish a very specific storyline. But the the highlighted part is that this was an episode that highlighted love in a way that isn't shown on television often for queer people. When we're shown in love, it's typically all about hookups. It's all about sex. It's all about an exchange of services for sex. Um, It typically revolves around just like open relationships, which are absolutely valid, and we love that. But we don't often see a situation like you would see in a a heterosexual uh, plotline where these characters meet each other, they fall in love, and they grow old together. We see that a lot in media for het people. We don't see that for queer people often. And one of my most favorite lines from the episode was... About noticing the little details. And that's how you show love. And and Frank specifically tells Bill, you know, you've given me this small space in your life, and I want to be a part of your entire life. I don't want to just be a part of the the place that you made for me. And that is such a, a common thing with queer people, is that as we live in the closet, as we hide from the world we get older and we curate these spaces that are ours because we've never had anything that was ours. We felt like we had to hide anything we were interested in. And so when we invite somebody into that space, it's very hard to make adjustments. It's hard to give some of that space away because it's the first time that you've ever had it. And I want to delve deeper into this into second adolescence. Um, But as queer people, we often go through a second adolescence. And that can sometimes manifest in like a very selfish type of outlook on your worldly possessions and the things you have. And I'm guilty of doing this with my partner and it's hard to make those compromises. And we see this happen in a very lovely way where Frank says, I'm asking for this, please give this to me because I love you and I know you love me. And this is how love is supposed to work. And through their relationship relationship, You see them learn this. We're not really taught that as queer people. We've talked about that on this podcast. We're not really taught how to love. We're often taught how not to love. We're taught don't talk about your sexuality. Don't talk about your interests. Don't talk about the things that make you not masculine or not feminine if you are, you know, depending on your your assigned gender at birth and the expectations for your gender role in your household. Don't talk about those things. Don't show affection towards people of the gender that you're attracted to. Because if you do, there's going to be weird looks. There's going to be gazes. There might be fights. You might be hurt. So we're taught to hide all of that. And we're taught exactly how not to love. And so when we get into a situation where we experience love, we don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to progress forward. And... We see this beautiful relationship where they're learning that together. They make compromises with each other. There's uh, a moment where raiders come in and they they attack and Bill gets hurt and he has this whole like dramatic, this is my last day, I'm going to die, do this, and you can have my estate. And Frank's just like, yeah, 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 whatever, you're going to be fine, I'm taking care of you. And it, it's an extreme version of things that happen in relationships. We think that the end of the world is there and whatever has happened is the biggest doomsday event that's ever happened. And our partner has to be the one that talks us off the ledge and brings us back to reality and and takes care of us and doesn't leave our side. And I think a lot of times as queer people, we're so worried that if something bad happens, who's going to take care of us? Nobody will. Maybe lo- for a lot of us, we've gotten sick, we've had to go to the hospital, whatever, and you think, no one's going to be here for me. I don't have family that cares about me or is going to take care of me. And there's that person in your life that's there for you, that takes care of you, that doesn't leave your side, that shows you that you're valuable, that you're worth it. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> that shows you that that you deserve to be taken care of, that you shouldn't just wither away and die right there. And same like I was talking about at the beginning of how my partner took care of me while I was in the depths of thinking I was going to absolutely perish and leave this earth, he was there for me and took care of me. He got me the things that I needed to get well. He made sure that I was being taken care of and that all my needs were processed as I moved through that period of unwellness. And you see that in this show. We don't see that in television for queer people. We see that for heterosexual people. And what this episode did was so lovely in normalizing this, in showing this is, this is average. This happens in real life. And it gives hope to so many people who have never seen themselves represented on television before, that they can finally see This type of relationship is not exclusive for heterosexual couples. This can be your reality if you want it and if you pursue it. And it teaches us a very firm lesson that one of the most important things is you have to be willing to work for it. You can't just expect it to come to you and drop into your lap and everything's going to work out. You have to every day choose to love that person and to make sacrifices and compromises and give a little bit of you to them more than just in a physical sense because that's often what we see is that exchange of physical goods, you know, offering sex for an activity or just exchanging sex and that's really the only mode of um, queer love that we see or, or queer types of relationships is an exchange of physical goods. And we don't often see the type of love that you sh- that you see on this. And I think something else that was interesting that also, I think, gives a lot of hope to people of... I- I'm certainly not of the age group that was represented in the show, but people that are maybe a decade older than me that, that grew up in that time period and never really thought they might find a love like this. And it still hits for me because I'm in my 30s. I remember... What two thousand three felt like as a queer person. I remember what two thousand seven felt like as a queer person, and that's when Bill and Frank meet each other. In two thousand three, we didn't have rights as queer people. <laughs> I remember there was a commercial where Hillary Duff, at some point in the two thousands, had to like go on and talk about not saying gay because it was, or or, or saying that's so gay. Because it was such a prevalent issue that we were not respected or looked at as normal people. That we weren't even looked at as people. We were looked at as monsters. And we didn't have any rights. We had no privileges. For for context, Brokeback Mountain hadn't even come out yet in 2003. When this setting is happening in the show. So for Bill in particular, he never got to see queer love represented in any kind of way this was probably a character who had to stay in the closet and was never able to properly express sexuality the internet didn't exist in the capacity that it is now grinder certainly didn't exist maybe some people were using craigslist personals to try and hook up but even then a lot of that was often sex work um a lot of it was undercover police trying to find queer people and bring them out or find people that were paying for sex and And marginalized communities were oftentimes uh, really just hurt by that particular website. So in the context of the show, these are characters that never got to experience what that looked like. And that's what makes it even more beautiful, is that in the end days, when nothing else matters, what really truly matters is what you're doing in the world. How you choose to conduct yourself in these two characters that have nothing holding them back. No laws, no politics, no social relationships that hold them back from loving the person that they love. Because at the end of the day, in reality, nothing matters except your happiness. And Bill and Frank had to choose that. They had to choose happiness in a world that was so bleak and unhappy and this is something I would have never experienced I I would have never thought I would experience this in my adult life I knew that that this was going to happen eventually you know that we'd see something like this on TV something beautiful like this but I I really didn't think I was going to see something like this I was like nah I'll probably be on my deathbed before real love between two queer people is shown on television in, in this type of capacity. I'm not... Obviously, like, shows have existed, Queer as Folk, The L Word, um, where there are things that are shown on television that reflect a, a a relationship. But I don't think anything's ever quite gotten to this level before. And it's pretty fantastic that we got something like this. If you are not... Uh, a fan of zombie or apocalypse things completely valid and understand if you have HBO max, I implore you. If you are listening to this to at least watch episode three, you don't skip the first like 15 minutes. If you, if you want to get into the love story of this episode, because that's where it starts. If you're not interested in the show at all, that's fine. I implore you to watch this episode, the euphoria that I felt by seeing this on, on TV. It was, it was really impactful and it's made a huge impact on me as a person, seeing myself represented in the world. I I could see so much of me in Bill and I could see so much of my partner in Frank, and just seeing two happy queer people on TV living their life, doing normal mundane tasks, making dinner, spending time together, taking care of each other in sickness, choosing love and happiness, watching them adjust their lives and, and grow was so beautiful. It was so beautiful and so gay, (laughs) so gay. And there are so many people who are violently angry about this episode and it fuels me. People's anger towards this episode is so fueling and it feels so good to know that we live rent free in these people's minds, that they are so used to seeing themselves on TV that anybody else being there in that position drives them up the wall they don't know what to do about it because they have so much anger in them about us existing and that that gives me life it, it reminds me that our fight is not over and that we have to keep pushing the gay agenda and to not let up to keep telling these beautiful stories to keep reminding people we're here we exist this type of relationship is not just for you this is for us too We get this too. We get to be happy. We don't have to die because we're gay. We don't have to stop being happy because we're queer. We don't need to do that anymore. We get to be at the same level as all of you. And that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. So, go watch the episode. It was amazing. It was really incredible. Beautiful story. I cried pretty much from start to finish. And I'm so happy that it's on TV. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm going to be having Emily on next week. And we talked about uh, the Hogwarts Legacy game and J.K. Rowling. Very excited to have them back on. And at some point, uh, the two of us and potentially another guest are going to be talking about Drag Race in the future. We're going to be doing some singular uh, one-off episodes talking about each season. And just having one episode to just dedicate to a season. Not necessarily breaking down each episode. uh, Unless that's something that y'all are interested in. I'll probably have that assigned to a different day. And have one Drag Race episode in a week. And then the normal, uh, just like conversational podcast on a different day. But thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, if you could leave a a comment and a rating, I would really appreciate that. It helps me more than you know. And uh, I will... Chat with y'all very soon. Thank you for listening to another episode, and uh, have a good week. Goodbye.